When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sam Reinhardt, really, really good player. Not a great player, a really, really good one for the Panthers. Has 20 power play goals this season. One of the better paces in NHL history. I know, who cares, right? Well, stay tuned. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates in the same place that you found this. Guess who else has 20 power play goals on the season? Oh, yeah, you're good. You haven't even had coffee yet. And you figured that one out. Unbelievable, isn't it? Not just because there's one player who has as many power play goals as an entire team, but it's which team it is and which players are on that team's power play. Oh, and also which players are on that team's second unit power play. That's how insane this whole thing has gotten. Want more? I got another one. The Penguins power play, which I just mentioned, has 20 goals, one more than the Blackhawks, 31st in the NHL, is clicking, and I'm using that term advisedly, at a 13.1% rate. The worst full season power play rate in franchise history was 13.6%, and it was set in the 1967-68 season. Know which season that was for Pittsburgh? That's right, pal. Number one, the inaugural team, the expansion team. This power play is doing worse than that one. And yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Fire Todd Reardon. Make some kind of change. Get rid of Mike Sullivan. Do whatever you have to do to get this power play fixed. These guys aren't doing it. Somebody take the reins. Somebody who knows what they're doing, take the reins. And I'm not even going to necessarily disagree with Reardon. Really like the guy. Really respect the career he's built for himself in the NHL, including having been a head coach and a pretty good one in Washington. But the thing is, Reardon does a lot more than power play work for the Penguins, and he's known to be really good at straightening out defensemen who have a tough time in their own end. Did it with Chris Letang. Did it with a bunch of guys. And Ryan Graves is the latest project. Graves has only been in Pittsburgh for half a season. I don't think anybody's ready to... I was about to say Barry Graves. That's... Yeah. <laughs> Let me try a different way to word that one. I don't think anybody's ready to close the door. How about that? On Graves. He's 27 years old. Uh, he's got to be considered fixable. He's got the size. He's nimble enough on the skates, he can make things happen if he's coached up properly. 
It's entirely possible, although I have not heard this from the inside, just sharing with you a theory here, that Reardon's valued more in that capacity and his ability to manage the defenseman, plural, in game, which is something else that he does, and I don't know that a lot of fans, even diehards, are aware of that. They probably think that Sullivan manages the entire bench, makes all the decisions. It's not the case. Reardon handles the D during games. But, you know, somebody's got to fix this. And if the person charged with fixing it can't, and he won't lose his job over it, then where is it going to come from? Where are the ideas going to be hatched? And, oh, by the way, who's going to implement those ideas if the players resist them? To their credit, of late, and I understand that it's another long, ugly drought, one for 29 to be exact, but I do see, and I did not make this defense for them earlier in the season, I do see positive signs toward the players being more open, toward players being more natural about shooting the puck and going to the net, you're not seeing anywhere near as much of that peripheral back and forth, let's just play catch like it's a morning skate nonsense. Even the main guys, the star guys, and I know that's not even narrowing it down with all the talent that they have, even they are just gripping and ripping, and it's been good to see. It's been encouraging. I don't think anybody... Who would have watched the Penguins power play over this past weekend would think to themselves, man, they are just dying out there because they're not. They created tons of stuff against Florida, against Montreal. They haven't always through this drought, but they've done it for the most part. Now, nobody, including Sullivan right now, wants to discuss expected goals, got great looks, we had our chances. Results are needed, and that's why against Montreal, you saw a change. You saw him put Valtteri Pustinen on the top unit and move Evgeny Malkin down. You saw him put Chris Letang up on the top unit and move Eric Carlson down. These are not small things. These are moves that if they'd been made in just a normal non-panic, non-oh-my-God-what's-going-on-with-this-power-play scenario would have been really, really big stories. And they were barely footnotes in that game. Gino getting taken off the power play. Last year's Norris Trophy winner and 101-point producer being taken off the power play. Massive, massive, earth-shattering-within-the-Penguins-world news. That night, it was nothing. It was just, oh, yeah. Yeah, they moved Pustin up, bumped Gino down. <laughs> like, that's normal. Pustin, who has one NHL goal. So I like that part, too. There's a sense of desperation from Sullivan, even though the power play is listening to them and doing what it is that they think is necessary to score these goals. So tell me now, please, before we go to break, why is it that I can't convince myself, as I've always been able to in the past, oh, it's going to come. 
And when it comes, it's going to erupt. It's going to be massive. There's no way the Penguins stay at 31st in the league. It's going to come, and they're going to at least even things up and be a top 10 power player. I don't have that feeling at all. Like, at all. When we come back, J1Q. J1Q, good stuff here from Thomas, who says, DK, I'm a longtime Penguins fan in Austria and a regular listener to your daily shots. Like a lot of people, I enjoy them a lot, so thanks for doing them. Thanks for the kind words, Thomas. Regarding the struggles of the Penguins, Thomas continues, I have to get something off my chest, although you almost certainly will disagree with me. I absolutely 100% Side with you that Mike Sullivan is a great coach, but at what point do you have to start thinking hard about a coaching change? Maybe these players need something new behind the bench. Thomas, the problem with making that argument, and I'm not going to you know, take some hard stance here. You can't say this or I disagree with you, Thomas, or whatever. You're totally entitled to your opinion. Everybody is. The issue with that stance is that your argument is a tune-the-head-coach-out argument. The last time the Penguins fired a coach, it was Mike Johnson, it was midseason, and I can tell you from being in that locker room and from some of the dialogues that I had at that time off the record, I can even tell you the hallway in which I had them. It wasn't in Pittsburgh. It was on the road, in Washington specifically that they not only tuned out Johnston, they wanted nothing to do with him. That's how those things go. They don't get manufactured from results. You have to see signs that the coach is saying something and the players aren't doing it. That is when a team falls into a coaching crisis, and that is when a move like that is made. It's not ever, ever, ever just based on outcomes. So I'm going to ask you this as someone who's been a longtime Penguins fan and someone who I'm sure over in Austria finds a way to watch the games. Did you see a team this past weekend that tuned out its head coach? I mean, I I know what your answer is, you know, even though you're all the way over there. You saw it. You saw the fight they had against the Panthers. You saw how fiercely they competed against the Canadiens. They got three out of four points against two teams that perpetually give them trouble, something I was identifying last week as a major concern. I know where Montreal is in the standings, but you know and I know that for whatever reason, the Habs make them crazy. So they went and they got the job done. They got the job done in a way that Sullivan likes, meaning they defended and they defended really hard. They were aggressive. They were hard to play against. They peppered Jake Allen all night, got into his kitchen, made life miserable for him. Allen was fantastic. And you can roll your eyes at that, too. Every goalie's fantastic against the Penguins. But he actually was. And they persisted. They got the the brilliant goal uh, by Jake Gensel, of course, set up by Sidney Crosby. 
They kept pushing, finally got a result in overtime, and left for the break feeling really good about themselves. Not one of them is thinking about the future of the head coach. And I don't know that they thought about the future of the head coach before these games on the weekend. Not something I've picked up from any single one of them. Not even a trace. And I'm going to reiterate for you, Thomas, that these things don't happen without more than a trace of that sort of sentiment. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone who listens to Daily Shot of Penguins, wherever you happen to be. And we're going to do another one of these tomorrow. 